Hi, you are listening to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca or at 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube to see channels for both CHHA 1610AM and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show at both SoundCloud.com and at iTunes podcasts by searching under Mediation Station within the Arts section. Follow us on Twitter at our account at Fenton Mediation. Tonight's topic is called Please Hit Me so that I will be taken seriously with our visitor, Helen Dantas, on a topic and a title that's called Please Hit Me so that I will be taken seriously. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, Helen. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> so how about you share a little bit of uh, your background, your professional background in some form. Just, you know, focus in some way on what that means to you. Okay. I, I was born and raised in Brazil. After I concluded my BA degree in English, Language and lit- Literature in 1986, I migrated to Canada. Mm-hmm. So after that, I got my translation certificate from the University of Toronto. I got a life coach from uh, a life coach certificate from YMCA, and I attended George Brown and Humber College, where I took some copy editing course and self-publishing. And I work as an office assistant, college, university, and in hospitals in Brazil, British Columbia, Manitoba, and Ontario. And I work as an office manager in medical clinics at British Columbia and Ontario. Okay. So the two of us first met at Family Court. Yes, we and did. You, you, <laughs> you were visiting there. I use the word visiting. It's in a light way. Thank you. <laughs> it's not usually a place like people like to intentionally visit, though. There's a purpose because people are trying to reach out to find out uh, about options and resources, whatever that means. So what was going on for you at the time when we met? I remember very well it was last year, January 2018. Right. Uh, I woke up that morning and I went to the chest of peace to get a peace bond. I spent a few hours uh, filling up forms and Mm -hmm. waiting for the justice of peace. So after a while, uh, this person came to talk to me, and uh, she didn't take a long time. She just took five minutes and said, I just can't help you. You have to get a restraining order. You have to go to the court at Chavez. So I felt devastated. What I mean with that, I had so much hope of get a peace bond with my ex-husband. And that's who it was going to be focused against. Yes, that's yeah. what I thought I could get. Right. But she said, no, you have to get a restraining order, so you must go to the court. So I, I was crying. I didn't know where, where was the place. She tried to explain to me. I couldn't get it. But mm-hmm. anyways, I, I couldn't get understand her instructions how to get there. Mm-hmm. I got lost, but eventually I got there. And when I arrived at the court... I remember so well when I crossed the guards, checked my my my, my through security through yeah. the security. Yeah. I felt a sense of security. I felt safe at that moment inside the court. Okay. And then I approached you, 
and you sent me to talk for a lawyer on the second floor. The advice council. Yes. Yeah. So I went there and I had to wait and wait, wait for a long time. And then finally, mm -hmm. I was sitting in front of her with the hope that she would help me. Mm -hmm. But she said the same thing, I cannot help you. And did she explain why? No, she said that uh, uh, there is no reason for me to, 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 to get a restraining order because uh, I didn't have any proofs. Like he didn't, uh, I didn't report to the police because I didn't have the proofs. So mm -hmm. it was kind of, she, she couldn't believe that I was there to complain about emotion and psychological abuse. Right, okay. So in the things that she asked me was very weird. I remember she was asked, how much do you have? Uh, do you have a property? I, I didn't get it. I, do you I understand why she asked that, though? No, a, a little bit, I do. Just, just, I'll give a little context. Okay, tell me that. Because they're funded through legal aid. Okay. And they provide services for people who are of a certain financial level. Okay. So, if someone has the financial capacity to hire their own lawyer, mm -hmm. they're best to do that, rather than their mandate as advice counsel, such mm -hmm. as also duty counsel, yeah. they can only deal with people who are of a limited income level. So they need to ask those questions. Yeah, I do. I, I, okay. okay, I understand, but you have to see my point. I was like, yeah. what? I, I'm not talking about money. <laughs> yeah, I want to save. Yeah, you I were in a safety. different uh, emotional I state anyway. Exactly. So yeah. uh, I think was, I don't know, I just felt like, I, 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 what should I do? I, got to, I was feeling worse than when I arrived there at okay. the court. All right. So I remember I went down and mm -hmm. talked to you again. I said, she couldn't help me. Can you please help me? Mm -hmm. No, you have to understand. I was very nervous and I was extremely upset. Yeah. And you said, I know someone that you're going to help you, can help you. Can you come tomorrow, nine o'clock? I remember very well, you wanted me to be, sh you wanted to be sure that I would come back. And the, you said, can you promise me? Are you coming back? I said, yes, I will. What did you get from my sense of trying to express it that way to you? I, I think the way you talk to me, you know, you had some kind, uh, kindness on your behavior. And that makes me cool down a little bit. Make me trust you. I, I felt that you saw me as a human being in a difficult situation. Okay. O the opposite of the lawyer's the lawyer that saw me upstairs. Well, you know, uh, part of the role that one of the things uh, people such as myself play at the, the court are to try to connect with people exactly. at their point of yeah. experience in some way. And of course, we're not going through those experiences, but we have to use empathy and compassion. Exactly, and that's so important. It's extremely important. And most of the people, I can tell you, 90% of people that I, I reach out for help didn't have that approach. And that makes things worse. So the next day I came back, right. and then uh, I talked with someone from Barbara Schleifer. Schleifer can and they took over. They, took yeah. they, they look after me after the that. The family court support yes. worker. Who Excellent. Who works with women yeah. who have or yeah. are going through experiences of domestic exactly. violence and abuse. Yeah. She yeah. heard me. She recommended me to a lawyer, and the everything was okay after that. Well, it was... It was a step towards exactly going uh, one on a pathway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's what's happened. Right. Okay. So, what had been your experience as to your family relationship, including up to that point, with matters? 
Because you were going through something, obviously, that was profound. Yeah, the the, the things that were going was carried on for a long time. Because first I was in love, I ignored the red flags, then I entered an unhealthy relationship, I was full of hope, I thought I could fix everything, but I was wrong. With time I lost my identity, I, I lived in denial, and got to a point that I had to leave that relationship. So, um, and I thought leaving the relationship, I would get my freedom back, but I was wrong. The things got worse. And that's when I came to the court to try to get a peace bond. So help, help us understand, when you say things got worse, what do you mean by that? Because you, up to that point, you were obviously going through a lot of concerns and issues mm-hmm. that you have been uh, affected by, mm-hmm. and you reached a critical point that you took the conscious step to try to seek a peace bond, mm-hmm. went to uh, a criminal court, mm-hmm. which they said, no, they go to the family court and try and get a restraining order. Exactly. So what was all that really, you know, for you? Uh, what's happened is that, you know, you go through the abuse for so many years, over yeah. two decades, and then you finally you have the courage to, to, to reach out for help and get your freedom. But then you realize that you're still not free because the harassment doesn't stop. The threatening doesn't stop. So when you went to the court and uh, then you met with the Barbara Schleifer and then you got access to a lawyer, a family lawyer, Mm -hmm. who I'm sure was uh, specialized in working Mm -hmm. with women in domestic violence circumstances. Yes. Yes. What then happened for you with regard to why things escalated and deteriorated somewhat more? With regard to your your ex partner, oh, because t- uh, during the from the divorce to that point, yeah, I, I didn't get the peace that I needed because he kept bothering me, so he kept threatening me, he kept harassing me, so I wanted to be sh- sure that I I I use I go f- I go try to find any resource that can help me. So when I went to the clinic. I talked, spoke to someone from the clinic, and she recommended me to talk with this lawyer mm-hmm. that knows about the subject and took the time and had the empathy to talk with me and explain to me what was going on. Right. Was like, wow, nobody can do anything for me except myself. Okay. And then when I start to take a deep breath and said, mm-hmm. I have to get the power I need. From within. From within Mm -hmm. to get what I want, my peace back. So there was like uh, this light bulb in some way. Exactly. Went off in your your head, your mindset to say, up until that point you were so, you know, looking for external resources. Exactly, yes. That would give you the capacity in some way to help navigate your circumstances in a more healthier way. Mm -hmm. And at this point, there was a connection or self-realization mm-hmm. where you understood exactly. that within yourself you have mm-hmm. that power. And the, during my conversation with the lawyer, she agreed with me that many things cannot be done and would be good if she could do something about me, about us woman that goes through the same situation. Right. When she said no, because there is problem with the people work on the system, mm-hmm. we can do anything. So at that point, I left the head office with a smile on my face because I said, now it's my turn. Okay. Nobody can help me. So when we were going about organizing for the program, 
for the show tonight, a few a little while ago. I asked you to make a suggestion for a title for the conversation. So why did you decide and or suggest and put forth, please hit me, and then in brackets, th so that I will be taken seriously? What's that about? Uh, when you asked me to come up with a title, yeah. this title was the first title that came to my mind. And as a writer, I believe that when you write with emotion, you shouldn't change. So I wrote, and I started to question myself, why did I write this title? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I thought, you know, like, I do not mean, I'm, I'm not, through this title, I'm not saying that I want to be hit. I just want your attention. Even though I haven't been hit, I suffer as much as who has been going to a, a physical right, experience. experience. Uh, and, the, and I think that the system doesn't take us serious when you talk about psychological emotional abuse. So, that, you know, that's what it brings to light for me. It makes me curious as to the one context of please hit me and then being taken seriously. Exactly. It's also what it doesn't say directly. Exactly. And so it alludes to, mm -hmm. or refers to, the sense that, and we're doing the context of abuse, that not all abuse is physical. Exactly. Where it leaves a bruise, or mm -hmm. a broken bone, or someone murdered. Mm -hmm. And from some people's perspectives, that's the definition of abuse, when you can have that physical type of harm. Yes. Though, a significant number, and portion and percentage of people who will go through domestic abuse and violence it's the emotional the intellectual the spiritual that legacy that is happening right and that's the sense of the title uh, one of the things that I would like to add is that the, the psychological the emotional abuse leads to the physical abuse okay when you, when you say that what do you mean because it starts with the emotion and the physical and from my own experience, if you do not, usually if you are on an emotional or psychological abusive a partner, you tend to not talk back. So you know your place. You know your place. Or so you're supposed to. I wouldn't try to talk back. That was your experience? Yes, because I didn't want to get hit. Okay. So. Yeah. So you that's have the to be connection. what you do. Though, you know, when you went into the system and you tried to explain the experience and why, for example, you were looking for a peace bond slash a restraining order, you weren't given the credibility in some no. way that, no. hey, you don't have any profound um, remnants exactly. yeah. on your body mm -hmm. that would attest or show for what you were <laughs> going through. You got it. How do you show or prove your emotional abuse, you can't do it. or your spiritual, your psychological. Because what's happened also that the whole, uh, the abuser they are very smart. If they said, if they tell you words, he will not tell you words close to somebody else. He will not write, "I'm gonna kill you." On paper. No, he will not. He mm -hmm. may say, "I know exactly what I'm gonna do with you." Right. There's a way to frame it in so a way. They know how to do. That could be ambiguous and mean exactly, many different things. Exactly. So it's your word, and the, as you know, there is so many people being killed by a partner. Yes. I didn't want to be one of them. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to look for help. Right. 
before anything happened to me. So how do you explain the experience of violence and abuse in families, especially terrible, as it relates to terrible, something? Terrible, demeaning. It's not our choice. It's somebody, somebody else's choice upon us. And it's not, there is no respect from the abuser of whatsoever. And we, su we suffer forever consequence. And it becomes a family cycle. Because I say, like, in my family, I came from a, a dysfunctional family. My father was abuser. So, I look for abuser. You I mean, mean when you were... When I was a child, my father was abused. Right. So, I look for someone that... When you wanted to go out on your own and forge an adult relationship. Yeah. That's the kind of qualities that you... Except, because that's what I knew. And the same thing, my brother, he became one of them. So it's a fi family cycle that, in my opinion, we should be aware and we should stop. It's not because I suffer abuse that I have to abuse somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it, it, we, we don't, nobody has the right to abuse you. Nobody has the right to, to, to create so much problem because the consequences are enormous. You know, the psychological, the mental health, it's not easy. So how soon into your relationship with your spouse did you start to experience oh first year but yeah. you, you you just you, you're in love you you're blind and you think that you can fix everything oh it's my imagination it's not like that because at the beginning they are our so kind so nice so lovely so passion uh -huh. so they know how to do <laughs> they know how to get you so it, it's you know for you, if, and you correct me, you're going through this idealistic mm -hmm. kind of mindset that, mm -hmm. wow, you know, it's a romantic situation, mm -hmm. and I'm starting this relationship, and you haven't developed the skill set to really, you know, um, really appreciate the underlying reasons for the behavior that you were experiencing. Mm -hmm. At that point, it was just, okay, and you rationalize it whatever way you did. Yes. And I would say maybe you also were hopeful mm -hmm. that it wouldn't be a continuum. It wouldn't continue onward. Exactly. It was a one-shot deal or a second. I have to give a chance. Yeah. You know, we, we always give a chance. Right, and then people try to project onto you, you know, maybe it's your fault. Exactly. What, what, did, what did you do to me that caused me to do that to you? Exactly. So how did you, you know, deal with all this over all these years? Oh my God, it was very hard. It's, uh, it's just, I, I don't know how I did. I, I really don't know how I did. I just um, took a day of a time and, you know, when you have kids, it's difficult. When you don't have a profession, when you're not, you, you are in a new country, it's so difficult. Um, I just keep hoping for mm -hmm. better days. And uh, I'm a very optimistic person, very resilient, and uh, with my courage, I just keep going and uh, just hoping that one day I'm going to get free. And, but I knew I had to be safe. Yeah. So I, I'm free now. <laughs> so what was your experience, though, in terms of trying to get access or assistance and support through your, from your experiences? Uh, I, I, I would say that I needed two assistants. One, to escape, and that was great. Once I decide that I need help, I yeah. need someone to help me, I had no problems to, to get counselors, to have p 
people around me to, 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 to see if I was safe. It was wonderful. But after my escape, then was a disappointment. And you use the word escape for a reason, not leave. Escape? Why, why, why do you use escape rather than uh, leave? I have to know why, because I felt in a prison <laughs> so, somehow. I, I escaped from the prison. <laughs> Yeah. The prison that you cannot do the things you want to do. You cannot walk when you want to walk. You cannot have a cup of coffee when you want a cup of coffee. You cannot talk for a friend when you want to talk for a friend. Of course, it's not uh, uh, 100% of the time, but most of the time. So for me, I felt like a bird inside a cage. So I used the word escape. Right, y y like a prisoner, as you it's say, within it, quote, a concept of a jail. Yep. It's a virtual jail. Exactly. It's in your mind, yet that's your reality. Exactly. That was my reality. Right. So that's, you know, you had to struggle through that. I remember very well once I was at home and it was a winter time and I saw people walk on the street and has this lady that every day, 8 o'clock, she walked in front of my house. I was so jealous of her. I said, oh my God, that's so wonderful. She can walk outside when she wants to walk. So that's what I mean. It's... Right, and the sense of freedom exactly. that, that, you know, escaping would provide for. And it's what a lot of people take for granted, you know, when you have a cup of coffee when you want, when you see a friend, when you talk to the neighbor, when you walk when you want to walk. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously was very controlling. Exactly. And that was the intention <laughs> yes. by the other person. Definitely. To yeah. impose that on you, to That's minimize right. your ability, your capacity. Exactly. For sure. So what effect did the experience have on you and your family members in some way? Uh, for me the difficult, the, may, may, the biggest difficult for me is to integrate back into society. Took me a long time. Uh, every, everything outside of the relationship was so different. It was like to come to a new world. I remember very well I, I went to watch, uh, to, to attend a workshop in the city hall in Toronto and I look around and I saw people sitting around and said, oh my God, where I am? <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, it's a new reality. It was a new reality for me. I had to relearn everything. I had to upgrade myself. Um, and besides, I had the pressure of working. I had the, tra the threatening to take care of, the, uh, I was threatened to take the, to take my kids away from me. That was a concern always. Yeah, financial difficulties and the age difficulty. Right, because you were... Over 50. Or over 50, yeah, and yeah. so thus there's a stigma in yes. society. Oh, it's very difficult. Age, age, ageism, they call very it. Very difficult. And mentally, uh, like today, I cannot handle control. I cannot be confined in a place. I have many triggers. I need constant feel grounded. Yeah. And professionally, like I said before, I need to reinvent myself. Uh, it's very difficult to be financially independent. Too many years not living the reality of this world. So everything is new. So when you, uh, you know, I, I want to unravel the layers mm -hmm. of your progression through okay. your journey with all this so that people can hopefully in some way better appreciate the profound lived experiences that you've gone through and uh, understand the purpose and the intention and you know one of the reasons you're here is to help educate and inform people about these circumstances that many people particularly women are experiencing every day exactly. so what was happening in terms of the point where the relationship transitioned from being a couple to now being separates 
who took that step? Was it you or the other person? I did. So I like to compare my brain with a watermelon. <laughs> if you keep pressing the watermelon, yeah. you're going to explode, you're going to break in peace. The harassment, the putting down, the main, main calling, that's a pressure on your brain. And you get to a point that you think you're going to explode. You can't take, it's like, like I don't, usually I don't have headaches, but I imagine it's a migraine. You get to a point that you're going to explode. You can't think through any, anything. You don't believe in anything anymore. Right. So, I'm a mother. I have to be well. I need to take care of my kids. So, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be sitting down here with you today. And, and to me, that's also more pressure because it's not only what you were experiencing directly as a partner to another person, there were two or other people depending on you and being in you in a stable type of mindset that you could nurture, nurture and bring them, the, two, the kids up properly. Yeah. Because you see, when things happen to you, yeah. it's one thing. Right, when but you're you don't want to happen to your children. Yeah, you've got to... You don't want them to go to the same experience. You want to protect them. I have to. Because if I do not protect them, I would be as good as the other person. Well, there was also the threat or concern that the other person to this, the other adult, was going to find a means and a way to have those children taken out of your care. Exactly. That so I had to step forward and find the courage inside myself and uh, tell someone because up to that point I hadn't told anybody what I was go what was going through in my life I so was hiding from everybody so when you left where did you go where was the the f place because you left the physical home setting no, no, that no, no. I stay in the home okay so how did the I transition oh it was very hard it was very very hard but I had people checking on me uh, I had plan A, B, C, and D. You mean different options in terms of the potential? Yeah, if this happened, where I go? Hypotheticals. If this happened, <laughs> yeah, you, you, have to b you have to be smart. And one thing I tell any woman that go, I, because I help, I, I have, I have helped uh, quite a few women. I do not give counseling. I just guide them where to go. But I used to tell my friends, like, if you are in this situation, you can do, you cannot do three things, two things. Don't drink, don't drink, don't go out for date. Keep yourself well, exercise, rest, mm -hmm. because every step you do. It's so important for your safety and your children's safety. And also potentially somebody else could use something against you. Exactly. So you have to be very, very alert. They are watching you. Yeah. Every movement that you do. In a way or another. And that adds pressure. Exactly. Right? You've already gone through so They're much. They stalk you. They track you on the phone. Mm -hmm. They put devices under the car and so on. So your life was always, when you talked about escaping, how, how much did you really escape? Because that was still another maybe form of being a prisoner. Yeah, but uh, you know, when, when, when you escape, at least you are not in contact with the person all the time. So at least you have the freedom to talk with somebody else. Mm -hmm. You have a freedom to read, you have a freedom to watch a TV, and, the, and 
get information that you need to, to go forward the next step. So in a way it's a freedom, but not totally freedom. The totally freedom comes after. Right. At some point. At some point. Which is still to be determined, etc., etc. Yes. That we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about, yeah. So how do you define the way the justice system tends to deal with family violence and abuse in its various forms? Uh, I know that the law contains provisions that serve to protect us, okay? But a lot still have to be done, especially to victims of psychological emotional abuse. Uh, the, the law says for a little bit, you, maybe you can correct me, that uh, if that is, if, if the person do not hit, for example, I'm talking about myself, sure. my, didn't hit me, but I have a fear, mm -hmm. and the, they can, the court can order a peace bond. Well, that's the criminal. So the peace bond is through the criminal justice stream or system. Yeah. And then there's also in the criminal a restraining order. And then also there's a restraining order uh, process within the family court system. Okay. okay. I do understand they have these two things, the peace yeah. bond, the family. Right. But what I want you to people to understand, when you are going through psychological, emotional abuse, you're in so much disadvantage because your mind is not wow, you have so much pressure, you don't have money, you don't have the time because you have to take care of your children. Mm -hmm. So, in my case, I didn't, I couldn't get a restraining order, I couldn't get a peace, a a peace, peace bond. bond. Well, the peace bond also would provide that both parties to the circumstance would yeah, agree voluntarily would, yeah, to uh, the terms, which wasn't going to happen in uh, your circumstance. In my case, yeah. nothing happened. Right. So, uh, and that was, like, I, I do believe if you have a, a, a physical abuse, maybe things are going to work a little bit different than my case, because I would have the proof that the guy was hitting me. Well, you could, you could... Um, show in a tangible show. way exactly. that there was some kind of wrong that was done to you, harm. Exactly. Yet you were living <laughs> that already for the last 20 years or so <laughs> through the emotional, psychological yeah. abuse. And at the end they'll say, you are the one crazy, not me. <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of because why... Because I don't have anything. I never hit you. I never hurt you. I don't have anything, any, anything filed with the police. So... so it's you. Yeah, thus... So mental stability, so I have to take out the kids from you. Right, because you're not stable. we got to contact the Children's Aid Society, whatever. Exactly. And that thus it connects with the title. Please mm -hmm. hit me so that I'd be taken That's seriously. Right. Otherwise, right. you can't prove you that can't you've been harmed. Exactly. And thus you're not taken seriously. And they know that. And they know that. That's why they don't go for it. They keep the psychological and emotional. Because as long as just the psychological and emotional, nothing going to happen to them. Period. Yeah. So it's very, it's very sad. But it's the reality that mm -hmm. many women are living right now. I have been talking to so many women that go through the same thing. Right. And it's unfortunately, what can I do? I'm just trying to, to tell my story to see if he people understand the difference and the how much they can improve in this respect. So why, you know, 
what do you share with people as to your personal matters, as to your experiences? Wh what do you communicate? What points are you trying to illustrate or educate people about? Okay, so uh, let me tell you about experience. I'm going to bring you an experience that I had going to the police station. Okay, um, you go to the police. I went to the police station. I explained about the psychological emotional abuse. I was already divorced. Do you have any proof? Do you have any physical proof? No, I don't. What do you have? I have a text. Let me see the text. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I'm going to do with you. Oh, he's not telling that he's going to kill you. He will not do anything with you. He's a professional. He hasn't done anything. Okay, go home. A few months, few weeks later, I'm back to the police station. Right. Repeating the same story. No, I cannot do anything with you because nothing is see on his record. He's a wonderful guy, whatever. I said, okay, so do me a favor. Tell me your name. Tell me your budget name. Number. Oh, right, okay. He said, why? Because if anything happened to me, my friends are going to know that's the second time I come to this police station and you do not do anything for me. Look at me, look at my situation, look at my face. How, how, um, can you see how much I'm suffering? Now we cannot do anything for you. Okay, I wrote the name, his name. Mm -hmm. I wrote, I took his budget name. Mm -hmm. Number, yeah. Believe what? What do you think happened? Less than 24 hours, I had someone contact me, the victims of domestic victim witness. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And they took they took care of me for a year. Also, they keep check on me. But if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have anybody watching. So what caused you to take that, like, project <laughs> onto the officer? I had to. I had to try everything possible to be protected and nothing happened Rather to than me. just walk out and say, exactly. hey, okay, take I it for I did the first time, yeah. but the second time I didn't take because I knew, I knew, I knew that something could happen to me. We, you feel. Well, you know. I know. It's your lived experience. I know. So I had to take that next step. Yeah. And the, I guess the officer talked to his supervisor or whatever, but someone called me. Yeah. I had a meeting with this, this department. Uh, I talked for lawyer also, and they checked me until I moved to out of the, the family home. And they, they were extremely nice to me. But if you don't ask, you don't get it. <laughs> the thing is to know that you can ask, and you have the power within to ask. You have to. And people may know it, but they still don't exercise that. Exactly. So it's a whole, you know, it's... Because, see, you go to the police, you, you, was the first time my whole life I went to the police station. But I if I say anything, maybe he could put me in jail. But <laughs> I said, I'm going to take the risk here right now. What's your name? What's your budget? <laughs> right. Okay. And it was wonderful for me because I think it was one year or so they checked on me and it was very nice. They were very nice to me. So make uh, any, you know, any, any impact, empathy that someone has with you, it's what you need at that moment. And that creates the power inside you to keep going. Or it helps to create the conditions for you to exactly. become empowered within. Exactly. To exercise your voice. Exactly. You got to the point. So why did you decide? You've written a book, at least one, mm -hmm. and it's recent, Unveiling the Truth. Mm -hmm. Why? Uh, as a child, r as a child, I like to write just to release my anguish, 
through the problems that I had my family. And during my relationship, I didn't have that freedom. So after I left, I decided to accomplish this wonderful dream of writing a book. Yeah. It's a wonderful experience I had. Um, because I finished my university, language university, uh, finished my BA in language, I always li like to write. I like to tell stories. And I thought that was the right time to do. Is it a first person lived or you're talking in a sense of context it's about a someone, a fiction? Okay. I wrote in the third person, yes. I wrote in the third person. And you wrote it in, it's available in two languages? It's available in Portuguese, I translate to Portuguese, so it's available on Amazon, Kubo, um, Smashworks. Right. Um, yeah, so it's in book and paperback. So what is it meant to you in writing this? Oh my God, I have a better understanding of myself, about my choice, about my mistakes, but above all, how positive and resilient I am. I did learn about myself, and there's nothing wrong to make mistakes, and you have to really reflect on a daily basis about your choice, and the, if it's a good choice, wonderful, if it's not, just make a change. Nobody gonna do for you. So the power is within again. The power within me, believe me. <laughs> Internal. Exactly. Because much of what you had tried overall was to find external resources and options. Exactly. And that's what's happened uh, when I saw you, that they sent me to talk to this last lawyer that I saw the January 2018. Yeah. When I left that office and I saw that nobody could do anything for me, was like, wow. It's just me now. I do have to find ways to free myself. And that's what I did. And I, this last year has been awesome. Awesome. When people going through experiences in the, of profound abuse, in whatever form. And we talk about this concept of safety planning. Mm -hmm. What can you share about that? And whether it actually exists or can exist? or What does it mean to you? I think that if you do not have a safety planning in place, your risk is much higher. So what do you mean by a safety plan, or what did it mean to you? Oh, for me it was everything, because it's, you know, when, when you are in an abusive situation, like I said, when you, you, you suffer so much psychological abuse, that person, that abuse can become physical. Mm -hmm. So when you want to leave that person, you must avoid the risks of become physical because you can, you know. Right, you don't want to get <laughs> physically hurt because you've already, you've already been uh, emotionally, uh, spiritually, etc. So... But the physical can be more just the physical that you need to go to the hospital. You can end up... Well, either uh, injured or dead. Except that's the word that's I was about to say. Well, so with a safety planning, yeah, you have less risk for that to happen to you. You're trying to minimize and maximize exactly. your safety. You have to be safe. You you cannot tell your partner I'm going to leave you when you are alone inside the house with him. Mm -hmm. You have to be in a public place. So that is things that they're going to teach you. Those organizations will teach you how to do it. So what did you do? Can I you did share? everything that they told me. Like, give us Everything some that I never 
Never discuss the situation with your partner inside the house alone. Never be alone if nobody's around. Um, you have enough clothes in case you have to leave the home suddenly. Um, talk to your friends. Tell them where you're going. Uh, check. Ask them to check on you mm -hmm. often. Uh, Maybe take out some extra clothing. Oh yeah, that's leave definitely. it with someone you, you trust. Someone, you or have your, some money. Your documents. For emergency, add a copy of your documents, yeah. copy of passport. Uh, outside of the homes, with someone you trust. Someone yeah. that you trust, you yeah. must leave some clothes, some passports, some documents outside of the home, and inform people where you go, what time are you coming. That's extremely important. I remember once I was leaving home, and I had cameras, I have everything. I was so nervous, so nervous because I was inside the house alone, yeah. and I had to leave. I look for every, I, I, I check out my safety plan. Like yeah. Leave the house, put the alarm on, go inside the car, turn on the car first, open the garage. Every little step. Yeah, but that day I forgot to open the garage. <laughs> you, did you try to back out with the door? I did. <laughs> I did. I did. And I could not close my garage. So, <laughs> But I had a friend that I called him. I had this appointment with a yeah. lawyer and I said, please go check my door. And he came. It was a handman, friend yeah. of mine. Uh -huh. And he fixed the door. So, you, you know, your state of mind is not very well. So you have to... to, to you got to do the best, the best you can, can in the moment, That's right? That's all you can do it. And with regard to your children, how, did, uh, how were they involved in the issues of releasing w in some way like you left but that w there were two children or so yeah but you know what like you i i came from a dysfunctional family like i said you we survive you know uh they are small well, you conquered you conquered there I, I don't like to use the word survive you conquer you conquered <laughs> so they, they will be fine they'll be yeah. fine don't they, they'll be fine so you know you've gone through obviously these lived experience you've transitioned you know, where are you now with this? Today, I can say that I'm in a very, very good place. But, uh, when I'm feeling down, I, ha I reflect how much I have achieved. You know, you have your good days, you have your bad days. Mm -hmm. So, when I'm feeling down, I just reflect and then try to think about how much I have accomplished by now. And also, my friends keep reminding me how much I have accomplished. And uh, it's it's wonderful to be here talking to you, you know, uh, sharing you, sharing with you my experience, trying to help others. I try to I try to give you a better understanding of the situation. I feel that I must keep going, and to be honest with you, today nobody can stop me. Well, your mindset. Oh yes, I, I am. I am. I am. I am. That's your Took me a, a long time to get to where I am right now. Yeah. But I'm very, very, very proud of myself. You've got another book too that you're yes, proposing to I release. Yes, I do have. Uh, yeah, I'm going to release my next book this summer. The name is Relieving. I'm very excited about, and um, I look forward for you to read my new next book. Absolutely, we need to have ex individuals such as yourself mm -hmm. who go through circumstances such as you have to be able to communicate and share openly so that others who are going through these experiences can see that there is opportunity, there is hope. Yeah, that uh, is hope. 
there is it's hope. It's extremely important. The, the, you know, the real struggle is that it, everybody deals with that issue of the circumstance of the abuse and and how to navigate that and connect with it and make conscious decisions that can be most helpful for them. Mm -hmm. So what are you looking or hoping to see happen as to your lived experiences with regard to uh, I would like a better understand of the problem, changes on the system, that I think a few things could be done. Uh, the unhealth relationship, as you know, is an unequal, unequal power. And when you're leaving someone that has been abused us for a long time, we just, the only thing that passed to our mind is to get, to be free. So with that, we are, we have pressure to sign a separation agreement. We accept less amount of alimony, less amount of child support. Uh, we accept to have a shared custody, even though you know the person will not take care of the kids yeah, for a half of the time. Right, okay. So I do think that some change should be happen. I would like, what you asked me what I really would like. Yes. I would like, like, when someone has any complaint about physical, emotional abuse, for example, has gone to the yellow brick house, or do you know that has come that yes. testified that. Yeah. A, a separation agreement should come automatically with a kind of restraint order. Because the person signed a restraint order, uh, the, the person signed a separation agreement, but he kept threatening you that you're going to take out your money, that you're going to be under the bridge. That's so mean. And also, uh, the child support and the alimony should go through the government. So there was a lot of backstory when these were things were being negotiated in a private agreement that mm -hmm. you crea mm -hmm. created with the other person mm -hmm. that you were not necessarily in a uh, the best place no. emotionally yeah. because of all that lived experience and also the financial reality, mm -hmm. the lack of power and control in exercising resources that can help you be better informed. Exactly. Right. So what can you suggest for anyone who's going through something similar? Get help. What does that mean? Get help. Like, in my case, I had no idea how much support was out there until I had the courage to ask for. So go to the library. I think library is the very, very good source. When you go take your kids to yeah. the library, just ask a librarian. They are so helpful. Find resource that can help you. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, just to have a better understanding, like I said, of psychological and emotional abuse. And if you see someone that it's abusing psychologically or emotionally or even physically, someone, mm -hmm. don't take the side of the abuser. Because if you do, you're you are the same as the abuser. That's the way I see it. So what do you want anyone listening to tonight to learn from our conversation? That is hope. You have to find the power within you to make change on your life. That is extremely important. As long as you are alive, that is hope. Isn't right? Mm -hmm. That is hope. For sure. So if um, people want to learn more about your efforts, how can they do so? Uh, they can visit my website, helendantas.com. That's D-A-N-T-A-S? Yes. Okay. And you can get information about my book, about my upcoming book, engagements, interviews, and I'm also available for presentation in book clubs and as a motivational speaker. So your essence is to take your lived experiences and to 
reframe it in a manner that can assist and support others. Exactly. Okay. That's what I want. Absolutely. Thank you for putting yourself out there today. Thank tonight. you, you, for receiving me. Thank you. Okay. You've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM.